Okay, well, I was in North Battleford earlier this morning, that's Saskatchewan, and then I was in Saskatoon this morning, and now I'm in Windward this morning. I was in Vancouver this morning before I came to Windward. Uh, it's been an amazing, amazing season. Uh, I guess I haven't even been here since I was in Russia, and um, I came home from Russia early, early Tuesday morning, and then flew out. When did I fly out? Thursday to North Battleford. Russia was off the charts. I tell you, it, there is a revival that is breaking out in Russia. And our whole network is growing in Russia. We now have six churches. Two more were added. Um, two rescue centers where we rehabilitate and walk uh, ex-drug addicts and prostitutes through rehabilitation and restoration of their destiny. And that's our heart and passion. And uh, to see what God is doing in Russia uh, is absolutely amazing. I was so honored and blessed. And I don't say this boastfully. I say this very... Um, humbly uh, that this trip, I got to sit with some of the highest levels of uh, Christian leaders in Russia, actually the highest level. He's, uh, he's a bishop of over 3,000 Christian churches, and uh, he is he's the one that Putin, President Putin, talks to about the Christian church. The Christian church was growing. Government didn't know what to do with it. So they have assigned this guy, and he actually oversees it all. And uh, absolutely amazing that he, he met with us for, for about three, four hours um, and, uh, and shook my hand, said, Brent, we're friends, uh, gave me his card with his cell number, which is always good in case I get in trouble. And... Um, the very next day, he has a picture with him and Putin, uh, President Putin together. So um, I tell you, things are happening. And I, I also connected with, they call him bishops, but uh, so he's the senior bishop, connected with a bishop that oversees all of Moscow, which is, they're saying around 18 to, uh, 28 to 35 million people in the greater Moscow region. And, uh, and so all the Christian churches, we've connected. He actually traveled to our next ministry about four hours away just to connect more. And he's the bishop over all of that. He's invited us in to speak in his church next time we're in Russia. Um, and then uh, we went out to Yaroslavl, Russia, which I've never been to before. And uh, one of the largest youth gathering, youth conferences um, in that region and area, um, all of the Azbakistans and... Karakistans and all the Stan countries. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All the old U for, former USSR, uh, Soviet Union, all those little countries. They were there. Israel kids were there. Egypt kids were there. I mean, it was just even from uh, missionaries in China, they came and uh, absolutely amazing uh, connection. And uh, it was amazing because Sharon and I have always wanted to go to Israel. Uh, we've never gone. And uh, I was kind of like, man, you know, I hope in the next couple of years, just a couple of years ago, you know, we can go. And the right, so the bishop in Yaroslavl is who we work with, and he oversees 50 churches. And uh, he said, um, yeah, we're going to Israel in March. Do you guys want to come? I got two seats left. So Sharon and I, looks like we're going to be going to Israel in March, and right on my 55th birthday, too, so that's kind of cool, and uh, so we're excited about that, you know, but anyways, it's been absolutely amazing. Um, North Battleford, 
They, they've done a 10-day revival up there, uh, just passionate worship, going after God, because it's been a seven, 70 years since the 1948 revival of North Battleford. Uh, my mom went up in 1948 and spent a few months up there and got touched in North Battleford, and, uh, and within a couple years, they were full-time missionaries in the 50, early 50s. So, um, I, and so many great ministers got touched in North Battleford revival. Um, it wasn't looked fondly upon by some of the traditional churches by any means, because it was definitely charismatic. Um, but you know what? We're not really needing to do Christian life to be looked well upon by other people. Like we're actually called to do Christian life, which means Christ follower, um, the way he wants us to do it. And that's going to be diverse and unique for every one of us. Like we can't cookie cut our relationship with Jesus. Uh, I can't give you laws, rules, and regulation that are going to work for everybody, which is why we don't have them in this ministry. We have guidelines, absolutely. We have understandings, but our, our, our number one guideline is a passionate relationship with God. And that's what we aim for. We go for it. I mean, we could have a whole denominational structure. There's nothing wrong with denominations. Government calls us a denomination now because we have multiple churches. Um, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to make sure that we don't let man's way get in the way of God's way. As soon as it gets in the way of God's way, then we're going backwards. We're actually starting to harness God and limit his ability in us, in our lives. And I just don't want it. Is that okay? So, so anyways, um, so it was amazing at North Battleford, uh, 1,000 to 1,300 people came for all 10 nights, and uh, wow, you can hear my voice probably says yelling and dancing a bit too much, but uh, anyways, it was all good. I'm, I'm excited though, I, uh, see, I woke, my alarm went off at 2 a.m. this morning, which for this time was midnight, but I went to bed two hours before that. And I kept looking out the window because it's like minus 10. It was minus 20 when I got there a few days ago. It was minus 10 and snowing. And I'm in North Battleford with a rental car, and I got to drive all the way to Saskatoon uh, to catch my early flight out. And I'm thinking, oh, great, how are the roads? How's the highway? Last thing I want to be is spun out in the ditch up there at 3 a.m., you know, at minus 10 and the wind's blowing. So I didn't sleep super well, but, and then our plane was delayed a little bit leaving. They had to de-ice and everything, and, uh, but praise God, we're here. I'm excited, and I'm actually fired up. I, I feel there's a driving, a driving burning of the Holy Spirit in me, and uh, it needs to be burning in you too. So look to, look to your left and say, wow, you're on fire. Look to your right and say, you need more fire. And I'm going to give you some right now. Just lay hands on the people to the right if they need more fire. <laughs> Let's turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 53 to 58. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 53. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said... Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? So now he's in his home area. Verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? So we have to see what was happening here. Jesus, this man, has now been in ministry, just started his ministry. Great miracles, great things were happening. And so uh, he, was, he was, and people were hearing these things in his home city, his hometown. Anyways, I, they didn't click in who this guy was. Now, if you go to Mexico, Jesus, Jesus, is a popular name. So you could hear, oh, yeah, Jesus is doing miracles in Chiapas. 
And that's like, okay, well, that's cool. I know a million Jesuses, so no problem. And I, I don't know if these guys clicked in fully until he got there in front of them. Because they were astonished in verse 54 um, when he had come, when Jesus had come to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Where did he get this from? But then verse 55, the human mind starts to process. And the reason I'm saying this is not for my own life, but to make sure that we don't suppress someone beside you in this family. Because we could have a Billy Graham sitting here right now. Or we could have one downstairs in that kid's room. He's not going to be a Billy Graham or she won't be a Billy Graham. They're going to do greater things than Billy. And we need to make sure that we don't get too comfortable with the people we hang with and, and start to think, well, they surely couldn't be this mighty man or mighty woman of God. Verse 54. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 55. In this, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James, Jose, Simon, and Judas? Verse 56. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And so they were offended at him. In two verses, it went from, uh, this guy's crazy, it's amazing. Look at what this, the, the wisdom he's teaching with, the signs and wonders, the miraculous he's teaching with. Can you imagine, like, look at what's happening in this place. And then all of a sudden, whoa, I think I know that guy. Matter of fact, wasn't he like little baby Jesus? Like the little Jesus that used to run around on our streets here? And in two verses, they literally detuned the anointing of Jesus. Because look at what it says. Verse 57. And so they were offended at him. They were offended at him because they knew him and didn't think he could be doing what he was doing. Think of it. Maybe they were offended because they thought, well, hold it. They themselves have more knowledge than this guy. Or how come this guy has this reputation and not me? Maybe there was a jealousy thing going on. Is there ever jealousy in life? Like, like you know, you're, I was going to say, you're buying the lotto tickets. I don't buy them. But I think of the, the time when the, the, the A&W in Mission and all these, the, 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 the workers had bought the lotto tickets for years and years. And then a couple, like there's like 12 people or something like that buying. We distantly know one of the people that actually won. Anyways, their ticket finally won. After years and years of the employees putting money into this thing every week or whatever it was. And then, um, but a couple of the people, employees, had put money in for so long and hadn't won anything, they stopped putting money in just a few weeks before. Well, you can only imagine how they felt when 40-some-odd million dollars, whatever it was, they won. And so they're all mad and going after it. All these years I did this, and I don't know what the outcome was, but a jealousy starts to rise up. Oh, well, 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 how come, so, how come Jeremy, you know, how come Marissa, how come, how come Becky, how come, how come, how come Chris, how come, you know, how come they're rising up? How come they're doing something? Well, this family 
has to learn in ourselves that the greatest joy we can have as parents, both physically and spiritually, is to see our kids do greater things than we ever did. Because if we think that this age group, this younger age group, is going to do it the same way that we did it, we're absolutely wrong. And if we force that down their neck, it is not going to work. We'll be a one-generation church and we'll die out. That is not our heart and vision. We're about a family of eternity. Eternity on earth, eternity in heaven. You say, well, there is no eternity on earth. No, but what you do on earth creates your eternity in heaven. Not your salvation, but it does talk about bigger mansions. <laughs> Verse 57, so they were offended at Jesus. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. If we don't believe in each other, you actually have the ability through your unbelief to cancel out the person beside you in the great things they're called into. If we actually don't, well, I gotta trust him. Uh, uh, I love the pastor's statement where he's gotta clean the toilet with a toothbrush for 10 years before I'll ever let him in. I'm like, what on earth? Like, that's the most ridiculous concept. You're not here to serve me, I'm not even here to serve you. You can go out the door if that offended you. I'm not. I'm actually here to serve my father. I'm here because God has put purpose in me and I have my identity in him. Because my identity is in him, I get to listen to my kids saying things. They brought tears to my eyes and my wife's eyes. And I hear people talking about things and some of the things you're bringing up on that video, I can't even remember them for sure. But you see, the reality is, is we have to choose to honor. We have to choose to have relationship. We have to choose to be brothers and sisters together. Just because you're in a family, born in, doesn't mean you're all good brothers and sisters with each other. Does anyone relate to that? Or uncles and aunts or whatever. But you see, we didn't get born into this. We got grafted in by the blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrected power and adopted into a family. Every one of us has different perspectives and we have different views on many different topics. But that is never supposed to create separation. Unless, and even then it's not supposed to create separation, goes against biblical core values. Even then it's not supposed to create separation. We're still supposed to love each other. We just don't agree with that perspective. No different than if someone walks in here, a sinner of the world, or, or maybe in a relationship that is not a biblical relationship. It's not their sin that knocks them out of relationship with us. Because we have chosen to love all peoples. We love them. We hate the sin, absolutely, but it should not stop us from having relationship in this family. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because if it stops us, a sinner stops us from having a relationship with them, guess what? You're never going to lead anyone to Jesus. <laughs> the people were not offended at Jesus in the typical sense. He didn't offend them by doing something wrong. He didn't even 
slam them, beat them up spiritually or anything like that. He didn't do anything like that. They got offended because their human mind started to rationalize why this guy is walking with that kind of wisdom and authority, and they're not. And so what happened, their lack of identity literally was thrown through unbelief onto the shoulders of Jesus. And so our own lack of identity, and every one of us has a certain level of a lack of identity. We're all people trying to become better understanding of what a true son and a true daughter of God is. If you know it all, you know you're a know-it-all or something, I don't know. Tell me. Oh, you're Jesus. Jesus is in me, but I haven't attained his status yet. But I'm working on it. One day I'm going from glory to glory, amen? amen? The people, they just could not grasp that this little Jesus was a miracle worker and a man of great wisdom. What about little Elisha? Oh, well, maybe so because he's a pastor's kid. Okay, let's throw out another name of a little kid in this building. Jaden? What about Jaden? What if he grows up to become the mighty evangelist on fire, nothing's going to hold him down, energy pouring out of his bones, uh, and, and no one knows how to contain the guy because they don't understand him. I'm prophesying to him right now. I don't really know him, but that's what I'm sensing in God. Because people can't figure him out. Can't hold on to him. He's gone like a rocket. Guess what? He could be the greatest evangelist we see out of this ministry. The only thing stopping him from it is you and me. Now we say, what do you mean, you and me? Well, I learned something raising our children. One, they taught me how to be a father. <laughs> and they taught me a lot about myself. I didn't go into this saying, you know what, I know it all. <laughs> I'd never had kids before until Samantha popped out of the womb. Never had a son before until Justin popped out. I never had a, a, a second daughter until Jessica popped out. I, I, I knew how my parents raised me, but I knew that we'd be raising our kids a little bit different. Just because times. But one thing we never went after was belittling them and accusing them and driving their esteem down. We actually taught them how to dream. We actually kept speaking into them while they're in Sharon's womb. We were prophesying their destinies and greatness out of them. And you know what? Whatever they do in life, their greatness is their destiny. It's the greatness of God. People were not offended at Jesus in the typical sense. They weren't hurt. They were just caught up in bitterness. You know, bitterness is a destructive lifestyle. Now doctors are saying upwards of 90% of sicknesses are due from a bitterness or a negative lifestyle. Absolutely crazy. The decision killed their awe and wonder. This decision to, to question this Jesus. It killed their awe and wonder. You know how many times in the prophetic realm people have questioned? It's good to question, but don't hold God accountable to your questions. Listen to what I'm saying. 
It's good to question if something seems false and you take it to the word of God and it's false, that's a good question to go after. But just because we don't understand it or it doesn't seem normal in our mindset could be holding God hostage to his will being done a new way in people that are new. This church doesn't look like a church of 100 years ago. Devil's instrument, devil's instrument, devil's instrument. Didn't even have it, but when it was still strings, devil was a bar instrument. Was it a, a early 1900s, the first guy in England brought the piano out of the bar into the church? It was the first piano in a Christian church. Like, we're talking 100 years ago. Forget drums, that was like the Pentecostal movement in the 50s. <laughs> Lights, cameras. They must be doing it to be a big show, it's just a big production. No, actually it's not. But what if it was? Like, what if it was to actually get people interested, to have them continue to come? Would it be a bad thing? What, what if all this black was for cameras that people watch our YouTube and Facebook Live, thousands and thousands of them from around the world, and it just makes the cameras look better or makes us look better on camera? Would that be wrong? Well, that could be vain. Oh, no. See, vain is pride improperly used. It's pride in yourself, vanity. But the reality is that so many people get mixed up with pride and identity. You see, Jesus came in to Nazareth in identity. The people couldn't grasp the concept that he was the one that grew up in their town now doing all these miracle signs and wonders. Forget it when they heard about that he was a son of God. Could you imagine? But identity is so often mistaken for pride in today's young people as they're rising up. I love talking to young people. Hey, are you an evangelist? Absolutely. Cool, that's awesome. Then I talk to my generation. Are you an evangelist? Well, you know. Are you a good driver? My generation, mm, not really. Like, I, well, I guess, I mean, maybe. Talk to a young person. You're a good driver, the best. <laughs> That's why you stay away from all the ends, right? So I had a few of them on the way here. I thought, seriously? And my, I was driving my truck from the airport to get here, and I, I couldn't see the guy's headlights behind me. He was just following me. I slowed down, he just stayed there, I passed, he passed, he stayed right there. Finally, I slowed down more and more, and he finally went around me, and I'm like, whoa, dude, like, we're doing 100 kilometers, an, well, maybe a little faster, but 100 kilometers an hour, I'll admit to. Like, man, 10 feet off my bumper at 100 is not a good thing, especially a big truck, he would have gone right underneath me. It would have been crazy. The decision that they had killed their awe and wonder of the supernatural. This thought in their minds caused them to become hard-hearted and actually reject Jesus. Their attitude became the mental stumbling block that was strong enough to shut down Jesus' anointing to perform miracles and teach with power in his own hometown. 
To have questions is healthy, absolutely. But to hold God hostage to those questions is not healthy. We have to grasp what I'm trying to say here. If you see something's different in the church, it doesn't automatically make it wrong. And I even wonder how much we should actually be questioning it at some times. I'm talking about the lighting, the stage, the sound, the volume. I'm talking about stuff that has no effect to your salvation or anyone's salvation in this room. Now, if you hear someone teaching wrongly from the scriptures, before you get massively offended in this church, take it to the word first and try to pursue and see if where you, I, Kevin, one of the pastors here, Pastor John Lowe, where we got that thought pattern from. And then once in a while, we actually make boo-boos. Like we make mistakes. I remember a few weeks ago, I was talking about prostrates. And honestly, I thought I was saying it right, and I wasn't. I, I've, I've heard recordings of me on one little statement that someone picked out, and I went, oh, Lord, did I say that? Like, seriously? How did that even come out? But you know, we can get so judgmental so fast that we're literally out of one little boo-boo we're going to take out the whole individual or hold them hostage. More importantly, or worse, we're holding God hostage in their life and yours. To have, oh yeah, the lack of faith will try to find justification to disprove a person. Listen to this. The lack of faith, the lack of the faith of the supernatural, if something supernatural happened here right now, today, and we didn't have faith for it, then we're going to start to try to justify and disprove what is happening. <laughs> Every revival has happened from people outside, then it started to happen internally. I don't want us to go down the, life, uh, the path of life in this family always looking for the problems and trying to pick out the smallest little speck in someone else's eye. And not worry about the plank in our own. None of us live perfect. I mean, I'm probably the closest one here, but... <laughs> I'm sure someone's going to say, see, he's prideful, stuck on himself. <laughs> probably. Cut that little blurp out. I don't even care what people think or say anymore. What I care about is that I have family, we're on fire for God, and we're going forward. We're trying to hear his voice, and when we hear it, we want to be obedient and do it, even if it seems crazy. <laughs> this lack of faith will also shut down the very anointing that is supposed to teach them truth. Because it's so easy for us to not trust first. We have the saying or the slogans that many times, well, you have to earn my trust. Really? Well, I'm sure glad Jesus didn't say that to you and me. <laughs> or Father, say that to you and me. You know what, I love them, but they got to earn my trust before they can be saved. Are you kidding me? If someone has to earn your trust, it's actually anti-Christ to the scriptures. 
Yeah, it went quiet, didn't it? Yeah, but, but they, they've, they've offended me so many times and you don't understand what they've done. It doesn't mean you have to like an individual. But if they come and ask for forgiveness, are you willing to forgive? Yeah, but they have to prove to me. Yeah, yeah. like I said to my wife 30 years ago, you have to prove that you love me. And then I'll love you. You prove to me first that you love me and then I'll love you. How many of you know that that doesn't work? Actually, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior, empowered by the Holy Spirit, I have to love you, even when you don't look good. You're having a bad hair day or something. Even when you got holes in your jeans. People, I, I was a missionary kid. I got those jeans from the mission barrel for free. Now you pay like 150 plus dollars for them. I got, Jeremy, I can help you, buddy. Like, like, we have to make decisions in life every single day. When you wake up in the morning, when you woke up this morning, when my alarm went off at 2 a.m., I had to make a decision. How much do I really want to be with the family? I could have hunkered down in the hotel and gotten some rest. Come in tonight. But the reality is I chose to get up on fire for God. I figured if it's minus 10, if I'm on fire with him, at least I won't freeze to death. Amen? <laughs> you see, we need, to, we need to have an understanding that someone else's day does not justify your day. That someone else's issues and problems don't justify your day other than you're the one to help them walk through it. The reality is if we look at this world, it's a mess. <laughs> but then there's so much glory of God going on at the same time. It's like you're either for him or you're against him, but this whole lukewarm Christian thing, it doesn't work. Matter of fact, the word says, if you're lukewarm, you're passed out. You're against. If we come to church and we just want to be a lukewarm service, I, I wanted to get up and start yelling, revival, revival, revival. Like It starts with us. It starts in our own heart and our own life. No matter what's happening on the stage, it doesn't stop revival. And if you think the stage is what gets you into revival, then we're looking for man to bring revival. And that's not what we're here to do. We're here to be the men and women of God that he has called us to be, which are revivalists, to go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out the devils in our own life first. It's okay if you don't understand some of the supernatural things that happen. I don't either. But restricting our spiritual life to what you and I understand, that's not okay. That is not okay. If we only believe what we understand, then we're immature. I came out of seminary, I thought I knew everything. And then I realized as I get older and older how little I actually know and how much more I want to learn. Because 
if this is just here and it hasn't changed here, then I'm immature. I'm being tossed to and fro in the winds and waves of doctrine. Well, I get my doctrine off of Facebook. Are you kidding me? There's so many things being said on social media from people that sound like they know what they're talking about. And sometimes it actually sounds okay. Or maybe it triggers the happy button to justify the issues in our own life. So we don't have to deal with it. Like, 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 ow! If we only believe what we understand, then we're immature. And this is a controlling spirit that is destructive to the development of a Christ-like nature. God responds to faith, but he will not surrender to our demands for control. No way. He wants to see us in faith. Hope. Hope. Hope not, not like 80 kilometers east of here. They need hope in hope. It's a small little town. It's a fun, it's a nice little town. I remember Rambo was filmed out there for a while. Remember that? I'll tell you, I got a story about where Rambo was filmed in North Vancouver, but it might incriminate me, so I won't say it publicly. That was back in the days when I wasn't living as good of a life for Christ. Hope, what is it? It's the joyful expectation. Oh, oh, I hope today's gonna be okay. I hope it's a good day today. Are you kidding me? That's not what hope is. Hope, the word hope, it's a joyful expectation. It's expecting something with joy. Like, to have our hope in Jesus is an expectation of everything good. To have our hope rooted in Him that's what makes our life worthwhile on this earth. Maturity in God demands a heart to embrace what you do not understand is called true faith. You and I can always tell a person's maturity of heart if they get offended at supernatural things that they cannot explain. Oh. Sometimes I get these words of knowledge and different prophetic things and, and it just offends some people. Oh, he must be cheating. He can't know that. It just offends him. At first, I got excited because it offended the religious spirit. Remember my long hair? It was one of the reasons I grew it was to offend the religious spirit. You say, well, why would you do that? Why would you be growing something to create offense? Why not? What did Jesus do to the religious spirit? Or the disciples? You know, you can't be working on, on the Sabbath. No, you're right. I'm just healing somebody. You're offended. Because you don't understand. You understand what this man Jesus was walking on this earth for. I offended a lot with the hair. It didn't make me happy. But the reason.
reasoning I did it. Well, that was one of the reasons. The other was Samson thing, but I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. My wife cut it late at night when I was sleeping. No, 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 no. The reason wasn't to offend for no purpose. The reason was to offend for purpose. So we could break out of a religious mindset of what a pastor should look like. So we could literally accept someone with long hair or accept someone with holes in their jeans. I just didn't want to go down the religious prototype of what a pastor is supposed to look like to you. How come you never meet with me? You know, you always get Pastor John or Pastor Kevin to meet with me. I don't need to meet with you. I got to talk with you. You alone. You're the only one. No. No, that's the mentality we've had in church. That everybody has to meet with the senior pastor. Now, let me tell you something. That's not the purpose of the family. It's to raise up sons and daughters. And now as my kids are older, you know what? They work 90% of their things out amongst themselves. They don't have to come to dad and mom. They work it out amongst themselves. You're all pastors. Or should be. Really? Well, give me the pulpit. I don't need to preach. That's not what a pastor does. Pastor looks after sheep. Only faithful looking after sheep gave David the ability to preach. (laughs) In behind the mountain, protecting the master's sheep from the lions and the bears, where no one saw him, allowed him to be a king. Matthew chapter 7. Seven to eight. You know what's really good about these bright lights now is I can't see that clock at all. (laughs) Okay, I hear who's got their alarm going. Matthew 7, starting verse 7. Ask, and it might not be given to you. Seek, and you'll find your hungry man lunch. Knock, and the door will be locked. No. Ask, and it will be given to you. (laughs) Uh, You know what, when we do that the right way, it actually puts a demand on heaven. (laughs) It's just the reality of the kingdom. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. But we have to ask first. How do we ask? In our prayer? Oh God, Help me be a good dad. Maybe starts there. But if that's where it ends, that's not the fulfillment of it. 
Because now you have to seek, how does that look? Oh, God, help me be a wise business person. Good. Awesome. We're supposed to. But now you need to actually do some studying, listening to other testimonies, and hearing from God. Seek it out to find out how to be that. And then if we ask, and then we pursue the asking, we pursue what we ask for. We're looking for the answers. Oh God, I'm hungry. Feed me, God. Feed me. Now he's looking for hungry people to find the food. And when that happens, all of a sudden doors that you never thought would open, open. Countries you never thought you'd go into, open their doors. Church, I never thought we would do. And here we are. It's a principle that we do every day of our life. Let's all stand. You see, some of you want to grow more. You want to have that fire. You, You had the fire, but not sure where the fire always went. Maybe you're tired and hungry right now. Maybe you just want to hope this guy didn't make it on his flight. Whatever it is that's going through your mind right now, the things that are not resolved in your life, have we asked God about it? And then have we seeked him, pursued him, sought after him for the answers and the way it's done? Because of so often we ask, but we just aren't willing to put the effort in. I want a good marriage, but I'm actually not willing to put the effort in. That, that's not going to have a good marriage, I guarantee you. We must seek first the kingdom and receive the kingdom as a child. That's what this is talking about. There's a kingdom. Where's the kingdom? It's at hand. It's touchable right there kingdom of God within. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the kingdom of God is within you, and the kingdom of heaven is touchable. I tell you what, when you're weary and tired, you just got to step into this kingdom of supernatural living right here, because that supernatural lifestyle is going to empower you. It's going to bring wisdom. It's going to bring direction. It's going to bring the joy of the Lord. It's right there. Yeah, but I don't feel very joyful. That's right, because you stepped out of the kingdom. Just get back in. Yeah, but you don't know all the things that went on. I don't need to know what happened. All I know is your joy is in the Lord, and he's right here. But joy is a choice. Some people don't even choose to have joy. They'd actually rather live in a lifestyle of depression. I want to turn around, bend over, I've got a big boot. Why would we want to live in a lifestyle of depression? We should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. We're Christians. We have the only living, risen Lord and Savior. (laughs) We've got the truth right here that sets us free. I mean, when we live this kind of a lifestyle, His favor starts to dwell. Why? Because in His presence is where you find His favor. Every week, every day, we have to push for His presence. We have to push 
seek out his face. Proverbs 25, verse 2. Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out the matter. (laughs) You need an answer for something? It's the glory of God to hide it. Because he gets so much joy watching his sons and daughters seek it out. You know, when you played hide and seek with the kids, when they were really small, do you remember? It was like they would hide behind a couch or something and, and you'd count, you know, in another room and then, okay, daddy, I'm ready. Okay, okay, I'm coming in. I got my eyes closed. Where are you? Where are you? Over here, daddy. Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> behind the couch. Oh, you know, because the joy was being found. What do you think gives God great joy? Being found. Finding Him in every area of our life. The Bible shows that God receives more glory when He conceals rather than making things obvious. It's more glorious for Him to hide and have us seek Him. It's God's mercy to withhold revelation from people who have no hunger for truth. It's His mercy. It's to hold back revelation from people that he knows aren't going to be able to handle it because they've got their mindset in a box. I want to split my brains open right now, pull them out, and say, no box for this one. No box. It's his kingdom come and his will be done. That's what I'm after. It's what I'm looking for. I want to encourage us here today. What is revival? It's not revival in the heavens. It's just normal lifestyle in heaven. Revival is coming back to life for you and me. The angel Michael doesn't get up every morning and say, yeah, I think I want to live a lifestyle of revival today. They are revival, they're in it. It's you and I that have to decide. I want to encourage you. Maybe something's been weighing you down. Maybe something's been just hanging heavy. Maybe you don't trust. And you have a right to not trust some people. Now, what I'm talking about in that is abusive situations and relationships and this and that. I'm not saying jump back into the, into the firing range. Not at all. That's ridiculous. But I'll tell you what. At least let's start trusting ourselves. And then let's at least start trusting the family. Let's go after that trust until they prove themselves untrustworthy. But whatever we do, we always forgive. Don't go after the wrongs and the issues and the problems. Let's go after what God is doing. I travel the countries, I see it. I see it in our own home here of Windward. God's doing something, people. Like, this is what God is doing. But it's not new for him. He's just looking for people that want to do the doings of him. I want to encourage us. If you've been feeling tired, you've been feeling weary, you've been feeling down, you've been feeling like, man, I just feel like I'm stalled out supernaturally. Let me tell you, that was a lie of the devil. 
speaking in your ears. Because if you're feeling that, it's not because the devil has power. It's because you've become powerless. And what Christian life should be powerless? I tell you, I want to encourage you. Go out and lay hands on somebody this week. Maybe at work, tell them you go to church. Maybe in the grocery store. Maybe you're super shy, but you're standing in the lineup to buy your groceries and you don't really want to go pray for the person, but you stand behind them and you just kind of go, do something. Do something. Start praying in tongues in your mind. Like start blessing the person. I tell you what, it works. It's a reality of life for Christ's followers. Whatever we do, don't hold God hostage by our thoughts or our way of doing things. Let's let him have free reign. Free reign. See, I'm thinking of lunch right now. Just went into a vision. I'm trying to decide. I got multicultural meals going through my head. I'm trying to think, is it lunch or supper I'll be jumping into, but I encourage you today. Don't do what you did yesterday as normal. Do something extra normal today. Get out of the comfort zone. Get out of fear. Get out of unbelief. Actually, when you hug someone after the service, mean it. Like, just love on them. Maybe when you go have lunch at the family, whatever, just... Be happier than normal. Try it. Don't bring up anything negative or bad. And if somebody does, just immediately start talking joy. Watch what happens. All the negative people aren't going to like you, but that's besides the point. Try something. If you're feeling stuck or just like I'm just doing the same thing, Again, remember what insanity is. Doing the same thing and expect a different result. We have got to change the way we're doing it. Go buy a pair of jeans with holes in them. Be something new. So, Father, no, I'm kidding. We pray. I remembered I was on camera. I better not do that. Father, Sometimes we have to just laugh because there's really nothing else but cry. I just ask, Lord, that that we knock. But first, we ask. And then we go after it, Father, with everything. We don't just ask and sit on the couch with our remote controls, flicking channels, expecting it to happen. But Father, we ask, and then we go after it. Some of you need to ask about rebuilding a relationship. And it's gonna be hard. But I feel like the Lord is speaking so clearly. 
it's not going to get rebuilt without you first going after it. Oh, that's so hard. It's so humbling, especially when we feel we don't deserve the one to be going after. We feel that they should do something. I feel like the Lord is so clear right now. Some of it's even bitterness from the past, like even against pastors or churches or leaders or a business partner or something. I just feel like we just got to let it go. Ask for forgiveness and then forgive them, even if they don't know that you've forgiven them. But go after it. Maybe it's a son that's wayward or a daughter that's not doing good with, with the Lord and they don't need more preaching right now. They just need that love. And so I ask, Father God, whatever it is in each of our lives, anyone watching on TV right now, I ask for, for your wisdom to invade us, Lord God, that we will know exactly what, you, what we need to start going after, Lord. I pray, Father, that, that we will not come and do just church, church, church. It's obedient to come, absolutely. But, Father, we come with expectation. Expectation. Not not like the, 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 the people of Nazareth when Jesus was ministering. They came with expectation and then switched instantly. But no way, Lord, we want to come with expectation. And if the life groups are on right now or today or this week, Father, we're going to go with life groups with expectation, Father, with the joy of the Lord reaching into the depths of your presence. Because that's what we want to do. Not just you telling us we need to do it. We actually want to do that, Father. And I thank you, Lord, for each one of these people. Lord, for the honor that was poured out into this house. But I pray, Lord God. That everything that is done is to give you the glory, Father. Yes, we'll receive the honor, Lord. That's just a beautiful thing. But Lord God, it's about your name high and lifted up. It's about your glory. I thank you that we can honor in family. We have to honor each other. We have to brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters brothers and sisters. We have to come with a culture of honor. I thank you for that, Father. I saw a huge angel walk into this room. that offended you, just deal with it in your own mind right now. Because I really, I really don't care what man thinks anymore. I just, we need to open up more prayer. Some of you actually have a passion to pray more and don't feel there's enough to do prayer here in Windward. And I want to tell you something. Talk with us because then you're maybe going to help open up more prayer. We need more prayer. Every revival birth in prayer. We need more time together as family. We need to go after this thing if we're hungry enough. I just came out of two revivals. <laughs> I'm hungry. Like, I, I'm hungry. I, I want to see when we come in on a Sunday morning, I want to see everybody up front here dancing and jumping. Don't worry, the floral flex, it won't collapse. I just want to see our hearts on fire for God. Enough of this church, church stuff. But we're not here to make you feel better. 
I believe we're here to instruct and teach so you can live a life of joy and happiness in Christ Jesus. Amen? So, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I was just wiggling my hands, just in case. Amen. We got to have fun. You know what we did up in... Uh, North Battleford. Yet anyone seen people surfing? So they did. They lined up and people surfed. I just about did it, but I thought, you know what? I don't know how strong those guys were. Might have been lack of faith or wisdom. I don't personally think that's what we need to do in church, but it was fun up there. It was great. Why don't we do something different? I mean, seriously not not dumb for the sake of being dumb but just abnormal for the sake of Jesus <laughs> do we understand it's 1220 it's been a long service but I only get to preach once in a while in here I feel like I need to make up for all the travel because on Wednesday I go to Mexico Mexico City, I go to Bogota, Colombia. And then I'm back. So pray. Why? Because you're sending me all over the world. Everything that comes in financially in this ministry, we tithe on it into the nations. Not just sending me, we give. But just we, we have to be a, na a nation-driven church, amen? Not a box-driven structure. Matter of fact, I want us to grow so big, this wall is a floating wall. It's actually designed to be knocked out and expanded right out. <laughs> so, so let's do it. How does that happen? Not by me, but by you. There's a few of you that have invited a lot of people into this place in the last six, eight months. And some of you haven't invited any yet. But I thank the Lord for people that do. You should set a goal. If you truly believe in the family, there's a lot of people out there that are dysfunctional. It's a good place to be. Get, it, get them involved in our life groups. And let's see what God's going to do. Because the revival isn't built on a man. The revival is built through a family. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Give someone a hug. I love you guys. You guys are amazing.